0: everybody doing this morning it has been <laughs> that's what i like to hear that's that's the good stuff hallelujah i tell you what i got to go out camping a little bit this week we actually left the campground this morning to come into church and we're right after lunch we're heading back out there and i'm feeling pretty good and relaxed i like it hallelujah I got to spend uh uh just a great amount of time just in the word yesterday and and, and in prayer and and uh well, that, that helps, that actually makes your next day a whole lot better. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But uh, you guys ready for the word this morning? Let's go ahead and bow our head as we come to it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your great love for us. Father, I pray this morning that you would just give me the words to speak, Lord, to make your mysteries known. Father, to clear up any confusion, to, to just let us grow today, Father. Let us have a greater revelation of who you are and a greater revelation of who we are in you, O God. So, Father, we just thank you for this time that we can spend in your presence. Father, I pray that our hearts are open to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, praise God. We're going to go ahead and continue on in the series of the culture of who we are as a church. Last week, we looked at that we are a people filled with the Spirit. Today, we're going to look at that we are a people who pray. And you might think, well, Pastor Wayne, that seems kind of weird. Don't all Christians pray? You would be surprised. Because the problem is, is we get distracted, we get busy, and the next thing you know, you look up and it's been three days since you read your Bible or prayed. Now, I'm just talking about me. I don't know what happens in the rest of your guys' life, but sometimes that happens to me. Life just gets busy. But the thing is, is that we're in a relationship, It's not just a set of rules and regulations that we're following. It's not just a, a, a list of things that we have to measure up to. We're actually in a relationship with our God. And I don't know how many of you guys know how awesome that is. The fact that our God has come down and He's with us, He's in the room with us right now, that we can speak to Him face to face, that we can sing to Him face to face. I don't know if you understand how awesome that is. You look at all the gods that man has made up throughout the years, and they're very far off. They're watching down with judgment or wanting to interfere, but our God is a God who not only uh, looks at us differently, He looks at us with love, but He actually wants to be here with us. The Scripture says where two or three are gathered, that He's there in His midst. Now, I may not be a great counter, but we got more than two, so He's here, amen? Amen. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's not a great promise? Now, I know that this was uh, not a promise that was necessarily made to Gentiles. But the one thing I love about reading the Old Testament, when I'm looking at the promises of God, even if they weren't directly made to us, this, is, this was a promise made to the Israelites One thing that I know is that God is the same yesterday, today, today, and tomorrow. And he's the same yesterday, today, if you say it all really fast. But he's the same. He doesn't change. The scripture also says that all the promises are yes and amen in Jesus. So the promises of God, if we know that he doesn't change, and this is the attitude, the mentality of God, then he has the same attitude towards us. I was actually reading just recently a, a, a verse that stood out to me, and it's in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, the thing is, is that we're a chosen people too, a chosen race. We're a holy nation. That means that we are set aside. And when I say a holy nation, what he, he's not talking about an, uh, an earthly government. He's not talking about American Christians. We're actually, we don't have a theocracy here in the United States. When it's talking about a holy nation, he's talking about a multi-ethnic nation of people across God's people, his chosen people. And when I read stuff like that, then I go back and look at these, these promises, my people who are called by my name, we're a people that were chosen, were set up. I, I think we can apply these promises to our life because this is the mentality that God has. But the thing is, is that, like I said earlier, we're in a relationship with God and you can't be in a relationship without communication. How many of you guys know that? You, you just can't. Some of you husbands wish you could, but you can't, I promise you gotta talk from time to time. And the thing is, is that if we'll take the time to speak to God, how many know he's gonna speak to you? God will speak to you through his word. That's probably the, the two primary ways that God's gonna speak to you is through his word and through that voice you hear in, inside of your head. God sounds a lot like you in your head when he's speaking to you. And he's also gonna speak to you through leaders. And then there are some people who God has spoken audibly to. I've never had God speak to me audibly, but I've known people that I trust that have. But I do know that that's not very common. It's somewhat rare that God will speak audibly to you. So he's going to speak to you in other ways. But sometimes we just got to take the time to listen. We're so busy and we're so interruptive, would be the word to say. Sometimes we just won't shut up long enough for God to have a word in edgewise. Maybe I'm just talking about me. I, I look at my life and I see the things that I've done. Um, but I, I know that God speaks to me. One of the things that I say quite often is I actually don't have a problem hearing from God. I hear it God all the time. My biggest issue is I don't listen. Like I said, maybe that's just I I'm not getting any amens. Maybe that's just me. I'm going to just go preach preach this stuff to my. I'm going to go preach this stuff to myself in the corner. Apparently, I need it more than you guys. Hallelujah. Anybody ever wonder what God wants them to do? Ever asked him? Sometimes we don't even ask. Or sometimes we ask God what he wants us to do and we just sit on our butts waiting for that audible voice. Sometimes you need to get out there and do what you know how to do until God gives you a different direction. You see, if we want to be successful, either as Christians or as a church, we're going to have to start devoting more time to prayer, more time spending with him and that means more time in your word so he can speak to you and And uh, how many know too that if you don't spend time in your word When you hear that voice in your head when god's speaking to you in your conscience How will you know it's him if you don't know what he sounds like It could be anything How do you know it wasn't because you ate too much pizza last night and had a bad dream or if it was god If you don't know what he sounds like you have to spend time in his word to be able to To use that as a litmus test. Is this god or is this not? Amen. But church, I, I think, and I, I've preached this year after year, we have to make prayer a priority. One of the things that I've done year after year is, is, is pleaded with you guys to, to be there at 9 o'clock in that prayer meeting. And, and, and much to my disappointment, it's the same four or five people in there every Sunday morning. And I don't know what's going on in everybody's life, but I would like to think we could come in an hour earlier and spend time together as a church Praying for this community, praying for one another, lifting each other up. And uh, it's just a great time that we can spend together and and really just corporately come together before the Lord. But I think if we're going to be successful, both individually and as a church, we need to make prayer a focus in our personal time, our personal life, and we need to make it a focus as a church coming together as well. Amen. So let's go ahead and get started to see what the Bible has to say about prayer. And colossians 4 chapter 2, it says continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving This is a problem for some people You got to start to continue just so you know to continue steadfastly in prayer at some point you got to start Praying and the thing about prayer is 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 it's, it's actually not just a good idea It's a command This is something that you know, jesus says, you know, why do you call me lord lord and not do what I say? Right now, God is speaking through Paul. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And it's not the only time that he says it. First Thessalonians 5.17, he says, pray without ceasing. That was always a hard one for me, pray without ceasing. How would you do anything else? And then I realized that that's actually not what he's talking about. It doesn't need to mean that you need to be running your mouth the whole time. But it does mean that you need to be in an attitude of prayer all the time. And here's what an attitude of prayer looks like when something good happens at work. Is your immediate response to begin thanking God or does he ever come? If we're in an attitude of prayer, anytime something happens, good or bad, we begin to talk to God about it. It's an attitude. It's not a a physical thing that we're doing all the time. So the question we have to ask ourselves, and I think we really do need to evaluate ourselves in these situations, are we always in an attitude of prayer? Now, I'm not standing up here saying that I do it right all the time. I certainly don't. There are many times when things get busy in life, and, and I do. I get distracted, and that's, that's why we have to make it a discipline to spend time with the Lord because if you're not disciplined, everything in life will steal that away from you. You'll find that your work's too busy. You'll find that your kids are, are, want too much of you. will find that your spouse wants too much of you. You'll find that There's always something that wants a bit of your time. So we have to be disciplined about it. So what also Paul said in 1 Timothy 2.8, he's talking to Timothy, one of his young pastors that he's leading up, and he says to him, he says, I desire then that in every place, that means here too, that men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. You know, I'm coming to a point in my Christian walk that I just want to look at the Bible simply. When we were going over the 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 messages on healing not too long ago um, There's a scripture that says anoint them with oil lay hands on the sick and and I've, I've used oil in, in praying for people for healing On occasion, but it wasn't a regular thing and then god began to point out and say Just do what I say just do what it says. It's something so simple. Why why do we make Simple things such a big issue It's like when we're in worship and I look out, and I love it when I see people with their hands raised in worship. And, but I wonder—I'm like, man, I, I just pray for breakthrough that people would be able to just close their eyes, lift their hands, and not worry about what other people are thinking. Because the script—and it's, it's a simple thing, right? I wish that men should pray and lift up holy hands. What would happen if we would just start looking at just pick the simple things? We don't even have to look at the difficult stuff. The simple things: pray without ceasing. Lift up your hands. What would happen in our lives if we would just do these things? The the lifting up holy hands is not even what I'm preaching on today, but there's such a breakthrough in that because like this is the most vulnerable position that you'll ever be in. Because that's, think about it. When somebody comes to rob a bank, what do they say? Hands up. Why do they say hands up? Because you're vulnerable in that. You You can't pull out a weapon. You can't attack. You can't, you're completely, and we need to get that way before God. Just open up completely, arms up. And be vulnerable in front of him. And just do what he says. And the thing is. Is this idea of prayer. is not a New Testament thing only. It was all throughout the Old Testament. First Chronicles 16.11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek, seek his presence. Continually. You know how you do that? In prayer. Seek him in prayer. And seek it continually. I'm beginning to think that. That. Uh, or more on am beginning to see that, that the life that we live in Christians is all about an attitude in our heart that we have at all times. You know, God's not uh, confused. He's not naive. You know, Paul was a tent maker. He was working all the time. Paul's not opposed to us working and doing other things in life. Paul's, or God's not opposed to us even doing fun things. You know, God provides for his people, but we need to have that same attitude of heart every time and be in fellowship with him at all times. And prayer is such an important part of that as being, as being a Christian. Like I said, you can't have a relationship without communication. If you want to destroy a relationship, that's the easiest thing to do. You just stop talking to them. Matter of fact, for, for those of you who are younger, they have, they have terms on the Internet. It's a lot easier on the Internet to do it or through texting or through different things. But we, we have a phrase now called ghosting. That's when people are talking to you and then you just stop talking back. Ignore them completely. Disappear. Become like a ghost to them very fast way to destroy a relationship problem is how many times are we doing that to god because god's at the door knocking and he's waiting and we're like in a minute and then a minute turns to hours an hour turns to days then your life's a wreck and you come you finally like now i need god you press into him and and things start getting straightened out not that life gets easier but you have someone with you that'll walk alongside with you start getting through stuff stuff's looking good and then it's in a minute if you want a relationship with god you have to press in and spend time with him i remember not too long ago just some months ago i was really feeling like god was distant anybody ever felt like god was distant did you know it's not him when you feel that way i couldn't figure it out i'm like god why do you feel so far away and then it dawned on me because even when I was setting aside time, which I wasn't being very consistent at, it was obligatory, it was a, a dutiful time, it was, I was going through the motions, you know, so I would sit down and read my Bible and, well, you never, you wouldn't believe how fast I can read when I want to get through something. Because life is the stuff in the way, I get it. And then I was like, God, why are you, why are you so far from me right now? And sometimes, I don't know if he talks to you like this, but he's like, really? Are you even asking me this question? Because God's always there. He's He's always with us. But when you press in, then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, God's been here the whole time. I was just ignoring him. You know, if I never spoke to my wife, I can't imagine what kind of relationship that we would have. It would fall apart so quickly. It doesn't even take long. And I I don't understand why we think that somehow it will be different with God. That's why we're commanded to pray. We're to keep in communication with him because it's instrumental to having a relationship with him. And I would even argue that sometimes you have to do the dutiful thing. You have to do the discipline. You have to make sure that you're pressing in. You don't want that to be all the time, but you don't want it to let it slip away because I can promise you the moment that you let it slip away because you're too busy, you don't feel, well, there's something, it multiplies in your life. I see it all the time. with Even people come into church, they miss one Sunday, and you're like, oh, it's no big deal. But then another Sunday happened. Next thing you know, it's just really easy to not go. And the same is true with our prayer time. So I would encourage you to to. Make it a discipline thing, but also when you're in there, if you're there, be there. Amen. Luke 22 39 through 42, it says, And he came out and went as was his custom. Do you know that Jesus set the example for us in prayer? It says that he came out, it's talking about Jesus, and went out as was his custom to the Monday. It was his custom to go out and spend time with God. And he, would, he wouldn't do it, not necessarily in front of people either. Like I, I was championing corporate prayer. I, we need to have that. But you need to have the time that you get away as well. Time that there's no one around to bother you. And it says that he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And then when he came to a place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. So he's walking with his disciples. He's going to pray. They're following them. And he says, no, no, guys, you stay here and pray. I need to get away and be alone with my father. And he says, pray that you may not enter into temptation. That's also a good thing. If you're struggling with temptation, pray that God would show you those ways out. Pray that God would would be there and help you have the strength to get through whatever's uh, tempting you, or whatever you're going through. But he says to the disciples, pray that they wouldn't enter into temptation because he knew what was going to happen. And what were they tempted to do in this story? sleep and then they slept and he went about a stone's throw away and he said father if you're willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done now i look at this story and i see that jesus is setting the example for me and that's a good thing right because paul said imitate me as i imitate christ so we know paul prayed because he was imitating christ christ prayed And when I look at this, I I think about this. I want you to think about the profoundness of what you're reading here. Jesus went out to pray. If there was anybody in the history of this earth that didn't have a need to pray, it was Jesus. Yet he went out and prayed. Now, if Jesus couldn't get through his life, if he couldn't get through what he was doing without prayer, why do you think any of us would be able to make it without prayer? We need to spend this time. If he did it, we need to do it. And this wasn't a one-off thing. This was his custom. This was something he did all the time. He got a way to spend time with his God. That means sometimes you need to, to get up a little bit earlier. If you don't have time to do it, when the, when the kids are awake and the, everybody's around and you're cooking dinner and you're, or you're at work, make some extra time. Be disciplined to set apart that time. Because not praying can cause all kinds of issues in your life. James 4, 1-3 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You know, the truth is, is if you're wanting for anything in your life, You should be asking God for it. We need to be asking God for provision. Yes, I know that God knows that you need it before you even ask, but it doesn't say just because He knows you need it, don't ask. The thing is, is God wants you to ask, and He's already making a way in your life. That's why Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about everything or anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication is a, a, a humble asking. It says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We should be trusting God for everything. That uh, let your requests be known with thanksgiving. I think that's a two-part thing. One, thank God for what you have. But I also think you need to be thanking God for what you don't have. You're looking for a better job? Instead of begging God to give you a better job, thank God that he's already given you one. Begin asking in thanksgiving for everything that you have, but we be, we should be trusting God for everything in our life because the reason why we don't have it is because we don't ask. For many years, when I first got married, anytime my wife wanted to know something, anytime she needed help with something, advice, on, she would call her dad. And it's tough. And I remember thinking, like, why are you always calling him? Like, I'm your husband, why don't you? But she would always call her dad. Anytime she needed advice, she would call him first. If she needed something, she called him. And uh, it was many years before, even if I offered something, even if I told her something, she would ask me a question, I would answer it, she would call her dad to make sure I was right. (laughs) It used to drive me crazy. I'm like, why don't you? It took her years to finally have that trust in me to receive that for me, and she didn't have to double-check with dad. And it drove me crazy, but one thing that I saw in that was that whenever Michelle needed something, her first instinct was to go to her dad, go to her father. Whenever she needed something, advice, help, uh, anything, she would go to him. And I began to think about that In our own lives, when we're in trouble, when we need help, when we need something, we need provision, we need advice, we need wisdom, who do we go to first? Who are we trusting in first? When we need a little bit of money, are we going to our our boss first? When we're worried about our our health, are we going to the, the insurance company or to the government first? Who are we putting our trust in for the things that we need? How many times do we just trust our spouse to do everything? Instead of pressing into the one who said, ask me. And then he says, you don't have because you don't ask. And then he says, but then sometimes you do ask. And you don't receive because you ask wrongly. And he's not talking about the words. There's not a formula where you have to, you know, turn in certain forms to God, make sure they're signed in triplicate. That's not what he's saying when you ask wrongly. What he's saying is that, there's that attitude of heart that we talked about earlier. You know, there's some things that you ask for, God's not going to answer. And that's even, you know, 1 John 5, 14-15 says, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that we, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have requests that we have asked of them. That's a great promise. But that's the thing here It says that is. We ask according to his will. Here it says you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. It becomes a selfish thing. It becomes an internal thing. And it's not aligned with the will of God. What kind of things are those, Pastor Wayne? You know, there's the obvious stuff, right? If you're praying that God would give you your neighbor's wife, how many know you're not going to get that one? That's not aligned with the will of God. You know, when God says, pray for your enemies, what he does, he doesn't mean to say, Lord, please let him get hit by a bus. You're not going to get that one. That's not in line with the the will of God. But if it is in line with his will, how many of you know that if you're praying for your children to get saved? That's when he's going to answer. That's in line with the will of God. It doesn't happen as fast as we want it to happen. How many know that when you're praying for, for health or healing in somebody's body, when you're praying against cancer, that's in line with His will. The quick test to know if something is in line with His will is to put it against Scripture. If it's contrary to His Word, it's not according to His will. If it's in line with His Word, it's according to His will. The easiest way to do it. And you know what? something else that I found is that as I mature as a christian is that my thoughts end up becoming aligned with his thoughts i start praying for stuff that's not aligned with his will more and more because either the scripture says we're to be in step with the spirit that's in galatians i believe we're to be in step with the spirit and I've always loved that analogy because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a soldiering term. It's a marching term. It's when you walk exactly at the same pace, the same steps. There's, uh, when you see a, a marching band march or a soldier's march, when you see that accordion effect, they're not actually in step, even though they're hitting the ground at the same time. What it means is that every soldier takes a step at the, forward at the exact same time, and the entire formation, no matter how big it is, moves at the exact same time. That's being in step with the Spirit, is that your movement is aligned with Him. And when you're like that, you'll find that your thoughts are His thoughts. You'll find that you're praying for the things that He's praying for. And the, and the only way you can get that way is to spend time in your Word, to know what He's looking for, and to spend time in prayer with Him. See, I know the things that my wife likes, because I've been married to her for 16 years. And we've talked, and I know that she doesn't like it when I eat onions. (laughs) And I know this because we've talked about it, and I've lived with her for 16 years. Well, more than that, but you'll forgive me. That was before I got saved. But I know her, and the same thing is true with God. If you spend time in relationship with Him, speaking to Him, reading His Word, you'll become to a point where you know him. One of the things I've noticed in my prayer life recently is is one, when I I pray now, um, you guys remember a couple years ago I started talking, I began praying out loud when I would pray. And it helped me keep my mind straight. I wouldn't be praying and then all of a sudden I'd be thinking about something else because your mind will just wander all over the place. I found that if I prayed out loud, that didn't happen nearly as often. Well, over the last Uh, few months i've actually been writing my prayers out i I sit down with with my tablet here and and i I just write to god and one of the things i've noticed has been changing because i'm doing it that way and how i talk to him is i just talk to him about normal stuff i'm not always asking him for stuff i find that i'm thanking him a whole lot and i'll just be uh, the father like last week you know it's a, a in the being in the spirit and especially talking about praying and speaking in tongues that's a difficult one and i just God, you know it was it was an awesome time this morning my father thank you that you gave me the words to speak and and just normal stuff i was talking about how awesome the service was i thank him for how awesome it was to be out camping and i who would think that god would have time to talk to you about those things but i'm finding that the longer that i go the more it's just about How many know he's not just your lord and your savior he's also your friend Now you can't forget about the savior part You can't forget about that. He's your lord and king part But he's also your friend Talk to him like a friend I mean, how how many of your friends Would still be your friends if the only time you ever talked to them was to ask them for stuff Or to tell them how bad things were So you could ask them for stuff talk to him like a friend and I, i've been i've been finding it's just been so amazing to sit i remember i used to sit down to pray and 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 you know i set some goals i wanted to spend more time with god and uh, uh in the beginning i was like I, you know half hour every morning i'm gonna spend this time with god it's just his and then i would read for a little bit of it and pray and and in the beginning it was hard to pray for 20 minutes and you guys are all looking at me like you know, i can't tell if you're looking at me like that's never happened to me or like you're the pastor and that's and you're not praying like you yeah I'm not I'm I'm just like you guys in many ways and probably worse in some and but the, the the thing is is that uh yeah when I first started it was it was hard to pray for that long because I'd run out of things to say so I just pray in tongues because that's all I had left the good news is is that the Holy Spirit prays through my spirit in that way and I was covered but now I found that I'm sitting there with, with 45 minutes and I spend uh, about 15 minutes reading His Word and the other half hour, I'm running out of time. And uh, actually, I found that to be an amazing feeling that, that I'm just talking with God. And, and sometimes it's important stuff. Sometimes I'm praying for you guys and the people in the church. Sometimes I'm praying for my kids and my family. Sometimes I'm just talking to him about dumb stuff. That you guys, If you read my prayer journey, you'd be like, why would you bother God with that? He's my friend. If I can talk to my friends about video games and movies, surely I can talk to God about stuff that's not terribly important as well. And it's been amazing. I would encourage you to do the same thing. Spend some time and and rethink what praying is about. You know, so many of us get this idea in our head that prayer is about flowery and, and eloquent speech and words that, you know, when, 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 when people, you know, have you ever had people that you sit down and, and you ask them to say grace and they go on for like 15 minutes and some of the most eloquent speech you've ever heard? I've had people get upset with me when I pray for food because I'm, I'm quick. Father, thank you for this food. Bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. And people, Why would you pray like that? It's not the only time I pray. But even in my regular, I don't, two things, you repeat the word of God. I'm all off message. I don't even know where I'm at, guys. (laughs) We're just talking about, we're just talking about prayer now. But yeah, when you pray, repeat, you ever want to know how to pray? Read his word. Pray like Paul did. Paul had prayer, just say the same things. That's the best way to pray. If you ever come into the prayer meeting, you hear me, I pray the word of God all the time. Because I know that's according to his will. I don't have to be confused at all. Matthew 6, 7 through 8 says this, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. See, Jesus had some warnings about how not to pray, too. We've just been talking about some ways to pray. There's some ways not to pray. Don't let your prayers be. See this thing here? This one always confused me because it says do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do before they think that they'll be heard for the many words. Other translations or at least elsewhere in the Bible talks about them repeating themselves over and over and over like they're going to browbeat their gods and they're doing something. And I looked at them I'm like, does that mean like if I ask for something once I can never ask for it again? And I begin, it's, what he's talking about is not having empty phrases. Don't let it just be wrote don't just let it be going through the motions actually speak to god be there in the moment when you're talking it's just because they think that they'll be heard for their many words they figure that if they talk long enough that's how their god's going to hear them they have to hit a certain length you don't god hears you when you speak shortly that's why i thank you for this food bless it that's enough it doesn't have to be long there's not a there's not a meter it says, that like, your blessing meter on your food as you pray, and it slowly goes up. And once you hit 10 minutes, and ding, it's done, it's blessed. That's not how it works. But he does say, don't let your prayers be empty. Don't let it be wrote. If you're praying the same words every night, the issue is not the words. The issue is, are you actually praying, or are you just going through the motions? Is it your checklist? i got to pray before I go to bed, check. Or are you actually having a conversation with god because god's not moved when we answer repeatedly or we question him repeatedly the truth is when i think about this really you should ask once and thank him for it from then on out so when when you pray for somebody for healing you say father i just ask that you would you would just heal whatever's going on we stand against it in the name of jesus and every time you want to pray for that again you say thank you father that you've healed it thank you that this is done thank you that the, the cancer is gone you know, Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal for doing the same thing. In Kings 18, 1 Kings 18, he says, he, he's te- I, I love this story. So the, the prophets of, of Baal all around, their many empty phrases just going on and on and on, and their God's not showing up. Surprise, he's not real. So he says, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. Or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep, and he must be. So this is what it went like. He's like, guys, yell louder! I think he's pooping. That's basically what what, what Elijah said to them. But see, because God's not moved about the amount of our prayers, God's not moved about how eloquent your speech is or how simple your speech. God is moved by your heart. And did you know that when you ask people to pray for you, you're not trying to reach a tipping point either? Like, you would think, based on Facebook, that there's a quota. If you want a prayer answered, if you could just get enough people praying with you or enough likes, I mean, I don't know what they think is going to happen. They're praying for, you know, some little girl that has cancer, and God's like, I'd love to do it if you'll just get 34 more likes. Then I'll definitely take care of this girl. And we laugh at that. We think it's silly, but we do it all the time, right? How many people have not prayed for the kid because they want the pastor to pray for him, Or you want a leader in the church to pray for him, Or you have to... The thing is, is that, that we don't even trust our own prayers. We think that somebody else is, 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 has a, a, a director pathway to God than we do. But my prayers are no more effective than anybody else in this room. The Scripture says the, the prayers of a righteous man affect much. They're, they have power. They're, they're huge. If you're born again, you're righteous. That means that your prayer is just as much power as mine. So when we, when we pray together, it's not about uh, uh, browbeating God into doing what we want Him to do. It's not about our words. It's not about getting enough support behind us. We figure if we have the whole church prayer and God's, got, God's finally got to give in We have to really think about the motives and the the heart behind what we're doing The truth is is that when we pray together The reason why we do it is not because we're trying to tip things in our favor It's because the scripture says this Matthew 18 19 again. I say to you if two of you agree on earth about anything They ask it'll be done for them by my father in heaven I never really thought about this till just now, but there's also a second part to this How many of you are praying with somebody? and you're not in the will of God, somebody might just say, hey. But if two people come together and they agree that it's in the will of God and they begin praying for it, he's going to answer it. So we don't do it to, to browbeat God. We, we come together and pray because he says to, and we agree together. And it doesn't matter if two agree or 100 agree, if it's in the will of God, which you can tell by if it's aligned with his word, that he hears us and he's going to answer it. Matthew 6 5 through 6 says and when when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners That they may be seen by others truly. I say to you they have received their reward But when you pray go into your room and shut their door and pray to your father who is in secret And your father who sees in secret will reward you This is another one of those things jesus saying how not to pray if you're praying So that you look good That's not doing you any favors when we pray, we don't pray so that we can be seen by others. We pray because we have a heart that wants to communicate with a God who loves us. It's not a show. It doesn't require fancy words. And it certainly doesn't prove how spiritual you are. Because you can pray prettily all the time. But if there's no heart behind it, then it's, it's worth nothing. So how do we pray out I love this here because Jesus just lays it out for you. How do you pray? Matthew 6, 9 through 13 says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. What he's not saying is repeat this prayer. He says pray like this. So this is a template. This is a, this is teaching us how to pray. So what's the first thing you should do when you pray? Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First thing you should do is begin to worship God, begin to, to praise God in your prayers. If you don't have a section in there where you've told him that he, that you're worshiping and you're adoring him, that that he's worthy of your praise, that that he's, that he's an amazing God. If you don't have some time in there where you're worshiping, add that part. One of the things that, that, That people have have often wondered you'll notice when i start worship i I don't usually start with prayer the reason is because when we worship we're praying that's part of our our prayers when we worship we don't we're not doing christian karaoke we're singing to god we're praying to him amen so he says first thing you do is is you know, and when you're praying, make sure that you're honoring, you're worshiping Him. And then He says, "Your King, come, Your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven." The next part of your prayers begin to, to 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 pray for God's will to be done on this earth, and that means praying that people would get saved. That's getting behind the gospel. That's praying for for what He wants to happen. His will be done in heaven. This is also one of those things that. Uh, when people say that everything is God's will, I think it's nonsense because if everything was God's will, why would I have to pray for His will to be done on heaven? There's a lot of things in this earth that aren't God's will. Cancer is not God's will. And He says, give us this day our daily bread. This doesn't mean that if you're on keto, you're out. What this means is that pray for provision in your life. It's not just bread. It's amazing how many times Jesus talks about bread, but he's not really talking about bread. But he says, pray for provision in your life. If you need something, ask. You want a better job? Ask. You need some extra money to go on vacation? Ask. You need some money to pay the bills? Ask. You want the best thing you pray for? Lord, give me some extra money so I can give like I've never been able to give before. Ask. And he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. One of this is just acknowledging that we are forgiven. This is when you begin to thank God for Jesus. Thank you for sending his son. Thank you for, for, for making a way for me that I'm righteous. Thank God for that. And then he says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So the thing about this is, is that if you've been forgiven, if you realize how much you've forgiven, you'll begin to naturally forgive. Sometimes not naturally. Sometimes you've got to be beaten into doing it. But it should be a change that you're growing into. Because how can you be forgiven for so much and not have that naturally come out of you? I think about the little things. You know, when, I, when I'm going to work and I buy somebody a cup of coffee, people trip over trying to buy me another one the next time. Because I've done something for them, they want to do something for me. If God has forgiven you such great a debt, how can we not forgive other smaller ones? That's what happened to, that, to that, uh, the slave. who was the, God, Jesus gave the parable. The slave owner, he was forgiven a ton of debt. And then he went to his, his fellow uh, a slave who owed him a little bit of money and he sent him to the jailer. And God said that you're, you're, you're worth nothing but, but twigs to be burned up in the fire. He wasn't talking about the guys going to hell because of that, but he became worthless it was worth nothing but some kindling church I, I you guys are worth so much more than kindling don't let this kind of stuff trip you up and then he says lead us not into temptation the scripture clearly says god doesn't lead us into temptation god doesn't tempt anybody so what is he talking about he's he's talking about pray for for, for either not being in situations that you'd be tempted or pray that you would have the strength and wherewithal to recognize it because the scripture also says that he always provides a way out and that's one of the things i pray is father lord you know i pray that i wouldn't be in a situation that i am tempted that i would be wise enough to not put my most of the times we're tempted we put ourselves in those own and in, in our, those situations anyway Pray that I wouldn't get in those situations and if I was I pray that it that I would clearly see the way out And then have the strength and wherewithal to take the way out Because those are the, the the three issues i've seen in my life when it comes to temptation It's a different message, but i'll give you this real quick one. I put myself in stupid situations You know if you're not careful where you go on the internet You have all kinds of temptation in front of your eyes One of the things that i'm very careful about is what movies i'll watch even now, the people at work, I ask them, I don't even, I don't even have to, they'll tell me about a movie, that's really good, I'll, I'll say, can I watch it? That's all I have to ask anymore, because they know what I'm looking for and what I can't have. Violence doesn't bother me in a movie, I'll, I'll, I'll truthfully with you, I, I just just watched John Wick this weekend, I think he's killed more people in that movie than, than on the history of every other movie in one movie. Violence doesn't bother me, but nudity and sex bothers me a lot, I, I can't watch anything with that in it. And somebody once asked me, why, why does all the violence not bother you, but the sex nudity does? And I said, because I'm, I'm not tempted by violence. Not once have I watched a violent show and said, you know what, I'd really like to go out and, and put a bullet in somebody. If, that, if that's a problem for you, don't watch violent shows. <laughs> don't put yourself in that situation to be tempted. Where was I at? You guys laughing and messing me up. The second so the first thing don't put yourself in situations to be tempted So like I don't watch tv shows that I know that it's going to be an issue. I ask them, you know, can I watch this? Two, When you find yourself in a situation because sometimes it just happens Right, jesus didn't go out to the desert To a specific spot looking for temptation the devil found him there So sometimes you get in a situation where you're going to be tempted anyway so what do you do in those situations? Because being tempted is not a sin. How many of you know that? Yeah. If you're tempted, it's not a sin. The, the saying goes that you can't stop a bird from landing in your hair, but you can stop it from making a nest. Yeah. Some of us, not, not you. He's, no, You don't have to worry about that one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Whoop>. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. But if you're in that situation, God says he'll provide a way out. Yeah. Begin praying that you'll see it. But you know what gets me usually? is that i'll see the way out and i'll go i'll just be forgiven tomorrow now i'm saying it a lot more bluntly than it actually looks like when you're looking back in retrospect that's basically what i did right somebody does something that ticks you off and you have a choice you can forgive them or you can be angry at them and just god let me be carnal for just five minutes i'll take care of this if i could just slide back for five minutes we'll take really it'll just make it worse Right, You see the way out, you see the forgiveness, you see the walking away, but instead you walk the other direction. And we make choices like that. So I pray, one, that I wouldn't be in those situations if I find myself in those situations, that I would see the way out, and then also that I would take the way out to give me the strength and the courage to remember Father, just begin to bring up Scriptures that I'm forgiven, that I'm free, that I'm righteous, that I'm more than a conqueror, that I'm victorious. I, I, th- bring those up to my mind so that I can get out of that situation. But this is the, the template. If you're doing these things, you're going to be in the, 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 the right path. Pray that His... The, the give Him Praise pray that his will be done pray that you have provision and that's not just for you pray for provision for others and then remember that you're forgiven and remember to forgive others james 1 5 through 8 as we continue on he says if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask god who gives generously to all anybody lack wisdom yeah if your hand wasn 't raised, you should just go ahead and <laughs> you really need it, so if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without <laughs> the scripture says that if anybody if anybody knows and he does not know like he ought to know so if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Here's some more things to take with you. One, when you pray, I, if you need wisdom, ask for it. I, I love this because I pray for wisdom all the time. Even if I think I know something, I pray for wisdom because... One, I don't want to be spinning my wheels. I don't want to be doing God something, doing something that God doesn't want me to be doing. Just going through the motion. I I want to make sure that I'm I'm in line with God and doing what He wants. And I'm always asking for wisdom too, and how to interact with other people, wisdom and how to witness to people. I need wisdom in everything I do in my life. And what I love is God doesn't go, "Come on again, Wayne." Like seriously, He says He gives generously to all without reproach matter of fact i think god is probably grateful when when you ask for wisdom he's like oh thank god i'm not gonna have to fix this later because when we do stuff in our own mind in our own ways i'm good at messing stuff up i don't know if you guys are but when i try to do things on my own i make messes so big that god has to come in and fix them so now i try to skip that step and just ask god for wisdom and then he says And then when you pray, you have to ask in faith with no doubting. I think this is one of the things that trips people up all the time. It's because we pray for something, but we don't really believe God can do it. I think that's why we don't see as many miraculous healings in the church in America as as in other places, because most of us can't muster up enough faith to, to thank God for healing a headache, let alone cancer. But if we ask in faith, And that's the thing. You want your faith to grow. Spend time in the Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Your faith will begin to increase. You'll begin to ask for bigger and bigger stuff. God is faithful. And as He continues to be faithful, your faith will continue to grow. And we need to get ourselves to a point where we're just going to believe God. You pray for something, it didn't happen the way you expected it. Well, no, God is faithful. God is, God is true. I know this is in line with the Word of God because I, I know His Word, and I'm going to continue standing on that promise. And I don't care if it takes five minutes or it takes five years. And we just trust God. I mean, I thank God that none of us have had to wait as long as, as uh, Noah. Abraham, 25 years. Noah, 125 years. We just trust him, and if we, because if we don't, it says we're a double-minded man, we're unstable in all of our ways, and that we shouldn't suppose we'd receive anything from him. That's why the the scripture talk, talks about uh, speaking to the mountain and casting it into the sea. It doesn't say, uh, "Beg God to do it," because that's double-minded. Because you're not God. If it's your will, just please do it. Pretty, pretty, please, God, if you would just take care of this thing instead speak to your problems speak to your mountains and do it in faith and i get it it's sometimes easier said than done it's easy to stand up here and 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 yell it from the pulpit but i struggle with it just like many of you begin to start with the little things and build it up that's what he says with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can cast the, the mountain into the sea. It doesn't mean that if your faith is this big that you can, if your faith is this big, you're not moving a pebble, let alone a mountain. But a mustard seed, what it does is when you water it, when you, when you cultivate it, when you grow it, it turns into one of the biggest plants that you've ever seen. They can be like 10 feet tall. Have anybody ever seen a mustard seed? They're they're minuscule. And they go into plants that are 10 feet tall. If your faith is like that, it starts. All it's got to start with is like a mustard seed and then exercise it. Work it out. Send it to the faith gym. Have it do some squats. And as it grows, you'll be able to see it do greater and greater things. And I would just encourage you. Don't pray, God, will you? Start praying, God, thank you that you have. Because that shows that you have faith that you've already received it. Thank Him that you already have these things that you're praying for. But I don't see Him. I don't even have them. Pray like you do. Because He's faithful. If you, the Scripture says if you ask, then you have it. So might as well just pray like you already have it. Man, I'm getting bad at preaching short. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 1, 16 through 21, it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places for above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. You want to know how to pray, look for prayers in the Bible. Paul says, I do not give, do not cease to give thanks Man, that smells delicious. We're going to have some good tacos after this. you smell that? He says, 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he says, this is how that I do it. We need to start praying for one another like that. We need to, When we set time aside, we should be praying for one another. The people in this room, your coworkers, your friends, your family, and begin praying like this. Pray that... that that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Begin to pray that God would be revealed to the people that you care about so that they would grow. If they're not born again, that they would have revelation so they can get born again. If they are born again, that they'd have greater revelation so they can grow in maturity, so their faith will grow, so they can start, start praying for mountains to get moved into the sea. Begin to to press in. Pray that they would have that. Have their eyes of their hearts enlightened. That they would know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the the riches? Did you guys know that you have riches in Him? We need to pray that we understand and see those things. So many of us walk around like we're poor because we don't know. We need to realize that we are rich. The riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. What is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards who? Us who believe, it's immeasurable according to the working of his great might. This is the same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That power is inside of you. It's made available to you. It's immeasurable. Pray that people would see those things. The truth is, is that we need to to make sure that we're praying for one another all the time, from the little stuff to the big stuff. You know somebody's looking for a job in your prayer time. Pray that they would have favor with the people that they're interviewing with. If you you need to, to figure out a way to to do, we got to get out of this this you know if you're a family person, this us for and no more mentality, and begin praying out farther. And it doesn't stop at the church either. Are you praying for this government? And I'm not local government, the 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 city, state, up to our federal government, which is. Totally a mess right now. Man, I, I I pray all the time that one, that that those who aren't saved would, would get saved, that, that God would send people to share the gospel with them so they could get born again and, and, and get saved. And I pray those who are saved would start um, legislating and, and leading like they're saved. That's what we need right now. The truth is is that the government is never going to be a replacement for God. Like I said earlier, we're not a theocracy. Our, our government and, and religion is not intertwined. But you know what would happen if we got people that were saved in office? We'd start seeing laws that were aligned with what God wants. Because the truth is, is, even if we could right now snap our fingers and every law in the, in the books right now would, would accomplish the what God wants, if every law in the books was in line with His Word, it wouldn't change anybody's lives because they the the people of this 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 country need to get saved they need to be born again but if we could get everybody born again if christians would do their job and share the gospel if everybody was born again in this country we wouldn't have to worry about if we're going to pass a law allowing abortion up to a few minutes after birth we wouldn't have to think about those things And we'll leave with this one. In Acts 2.42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. We need to start making prayer a priority in our life. We need to be devoted to prayers. This is actually a beautiful thing. One, devoted to the apostles' teaching. That means they were devoted to spending time and learning from those who were in charge and the fellowship, which was the body of Christ. They were committed and devoted to the body of Christ. And then it says, to the breaking of bread, that means that they actually got together and spent time with one another. They sat down and ate and they talked. That's why it's, I encourage so much on the, the one time a month we get together and like today we're doing the, the taco bar stay. Don't just, don't just grab a couple tacos and head out. Talk to people. We're a family and families get to know one another. And then he says they devoted themselves to prayers. It must be pretty important if it's mentioned in this list that they're supposed to be devoted to. And I would encourage you, if you don't know how to pray, get around people who do. Listen to what they're saying. This Monday, or Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. is a great place to learn how to pray. Start a prayer journal. Do what I do and actually write to God, or some people will just write down things to pray about so you don't forget. It's one of the things that I'm I'm getting to the point now where I'm going to have to keep a prayer journal to make sure that I'm praying for every one of you guys effectively and not forgetting and, and leaving anybody out. We're getting enough people where it's difficult to remember everybody in my head at once. Make a list. Be disciplined about it. If you're married, pray for your spouse like you've prayed for nobody else. And then if you have kids, pray for them like you've prayed for nobody else. And then realize that everybody else's kids and everybody else's spouse is just as valuable as yours, so pray for them with the same fervor and the same dedication. Church, let's be a people who pray. Amen? Amen, let's bow our head